Hello and welcome to the Behind the Wheel podcast, the culmination and brainchild of my own love for cars, but also my determination to ensure that nobody ever goes through what I've been through. That is hating their nine to five and living only for the weekends. I am so excited to welcome Ben Highland to the podcast. Uh, ben is the founder of the incredibly successful Want to Race brand after he had a vision for offering as many people as possible the chance to drive track and race cars with a fantastic prize on offer. Early years saw various concepts and prizes, including a race and a Lotus Elise, which Ben raced at the time. In 2013, Ben met Janetta chairman Lawrence Tomlinson, and together they decided to offer a fantastic Janetta race prize for the competition with, with Ben switching marks to race successfully in the Janetta GT5 and G40 Cup. With race wins and championships under the belt, the Want to Race name grew within the Janetta paddock and Team W2R, later to be named W2R Motorsport, was conceived in 2015. The competition side of the business grew as more and more people got, got on track in a Janetta, alongside the team who have become one of the most successful Janetta race teams to compete, winning seven championships and series. Track days, special events and corporate driving experiences were now also on offer, with the company developing a niche for customer-focused on-track driving events. 2019 saw W2R's biggest development with Lawrence and L&T Group investing in the brand and bring the company in-house, providing their future home at Donington Park, where Want to Race now offer the UK's biggest range of motorsport events and services the track day virgin through to the experienced track driver here is what you can look forward to during this podcast interview yeah it's it's exciting but it, it's risky and it's it's hard work um but anyone with a a good idea nowadays i'd i'd, I'd always say explore it um there are lots of ways to generate uh, interest through marketing platforms now, obviously. Ben Highland, how are you, man? I'm all good. Thank you, Maria. N- nice to see you, and thanks for inviting me. Not at all. It's absolutely my pleasure. I uh, I, I normally kick things off um, with a a bit of a question, and it's kind of uh, it's always nice to hear what people say. And uh, I guess I guess firstly, and ask everyone this: what does uh, what does Ben's dream five car garage look like oh that's a good one um so i like my porsches so i'd probably have a you know a, a 911 gt3 something like that gt3 rs for a, a track car um i like my classics so i'd probably have a little alpha holics little nice little pretty alpha um what else would I have? I've just bought an M2 comp, so I'll keep that for a bit. What's that? Three. Yeah. Um, what else? Race car wise. Um, yeah, some, something something cool to, to race. Probably a GT4 BM or Aston, something like that. Yeah, and then I'd guess I'd join the EV bandwagon for number five. So, um, okay. okay, yeah, controversial, yeah. but, but maybe a, <laughs> maybe a, a Taycan or a, a converted classic into an EV, something like that. You know what? I've I've heard about these um, these these classic cars that are being converted into uh, into EVs. Um, for the life of me, I can't remember what car that I saw. Uh, it was a really old classic that had been recently converted, like some kind of resto. Is it is it resto med or resto mod? Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I got to say, I was like, wow, that's that looks pretty cool. But then, to what degree does the thrill and the sound and the feel of a car, to some degree, does it get diminished when it becomes an EV? I don't know. I drove one this week. Yeah, there's a company called RBW Cars and Litchfield. They're um, uh, they're quite quite new, um, but they're doing manufacturing brand new um, MG um, cars. So uh, you get a right. yeah a, a brand new car out of a factory, um, and it drove really well. Mario, yeah, it was um, 
Uh, it was a, a speck of motor and battery that was is getting upgraded quite soon. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was great fun. Could get the tail going, you know, moving around and um, really got that nice classic feel. But a, a new car, so none of the knocks and squeaks and bumps. It's all on like yeah. Golf Mark Eight running gear. Um, yeah. Really, yeah. yeah. I think things like that are really going to be kicking off. I'd say in the next five years. If, if you could get any any mainstream electric car, what would it be? Mainstream uh, is a Taycan mainstream. I think so. I think so. They're yeah. cool. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. Tes- Teslas. Like, yeah. Teslas do the. They they're so ahead of the game, aren't they? But I just the styling of them, I I, I just can't get over. Yeah. You know what? I was having this grab a couple of weeks ago about Tesla. I mean, you know, um, there, there's no doubt that from a technological advancement perspective, they've, they've, they've changed the game, you know, um, but they're not the most good looking cars. And I know many people, many Tesla guys will be like listening. Oh my God. How dare you say that? That's like, you know, blasphemous. Right. But I can't help but feel like they're just not the best, the best looking things in the world, you know. Just a bit dull. I think they could do even just putting some nicer wheels on and just some little details like that. Um, but yeah, they're, yeah, they're, you can't argue with the, what they've done and um, product development. And yeah, they've really introduced and, and created that market, haven't they? And really dominated it for, for now. Massively. Massively. I mean, I think, I think for me, it's, um, I was having this chat with a good friend of mine and, uh, we we're just saying that, you know, to, to what degree will the, will the future be one whereby owning a conventional engine car, an actual, you know, petrol car will be a bit of a, uh, uh, taboo. Yeah, a taboo. And, and even, uh, what is it? Like, a like something which, you know, the uber rich and famous have. You know, um, you know, because will it come to a point where these cars are going to belong to just a select few people, you know, and electric will be the mainstream thing. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you got to fight it, but I can't help but feel like it's, it's happening already. And I mean, I think, I think diesel cars will be banned from production from, I think 2030, I think yeah. something like that, you know, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple of couple of years. I think so, and I think the well, there's also a bit of an evolution of fuel, isn't there, happening? That e- E10's just been released in the UK yeah. this week or last week. Yeah, nobody knows what it is or what they're putting in the cars. It's I been, have no idea. Been... I, I, I was going to ask you what what is it? all I know is that it's is it is it something like it's it's to do with the synthetic it's of just, the actual. Yeah, the actual... I think it's all down to the. At the process point, uh, the amount of ethanol in the fuel, uh, which I think increases, um, and that just has a, it, I think it has a slightly better, um, better maybe better manufacturing process or carbon footprint at source. And then at the end, user yeah. for me and you in our petrol cars, um, apparently it's a, it's going to replace the ninety-five run fuel. And then anyone running yeah. a, you know, a, a sports car, supercar, running a ninety-seven, ninety-nine, that that will continue. So it's just, yeah. to, re- and just to replace the, the mainstream one. And, and and that's only available on cars, I believe, that are after two thousand and two thousand and ten. I think it's not. Is it's it? not available on all cars. Is it? it? Yeah. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah. And then there's, I, I think, think so. there's another fuel that. Um, I think Porsche are really behind and they're, they're almost creating the synthetic fuel and sampling it. And, um, cause the, the, you know, the manufacturers are behind ele- electric, aren't they? But none of us want the, uh, the engine to die completely. So. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. I mean, um, I, I guess for you, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you used to, you used to race cars, right? I had a go. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Had a few crashes as well. No, we 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 raced um, uh, well go karts to start with for for a number of years, and then uh, when I could afford to, I I was doing sort of rental go karting, indoor karting. Started when I was 
think my th- it had to be 13 and my dad took me on my 13th birthday and that was it. That was kind of, that's where we are now really because of that. And then I, when I could after uni, I, 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 well, in fact, I was at uni and I spent some of my student loan to buy a Rotax go-kart and went, went racing. Wow. And did, did quite, quite well at that. Um, just at kind of club level, nothing, nothing national. Um, and then I got a track day car and then I converted that into a race car and that was a Lotus Elise, did a few years Lotus racing and then got involved with Janetta and raced, um, for three full seasons doing Janetta and then I've done, you know, guest drives and drives here and there in some of our own cars when I can. I mean, just, just looking back at your, at your racing, um, you know, um, to, to what, to what, just tell us a little bit about, um, I suppose the kind of the, the motivation, the, the, the kind of mindset that you were kind of in at that time. And I suppose, I mean, for someone to kind of take the next step and to start racing and to, and to get behind the wheel of that car and, and, and take it and take it as, as, as fast as you possibly can. What is it that kind of gave you that kind of, um, I suppose, inspiration? I think that the racing obviously is, uh, pe- people are into cars, but racing's a, another, it, it is a different thing again. Um, you're really competitive, I think, if, if you race. Um, so you, you like that, that challenge of, of competing on a, on a racetrack. Um, but the, the drive, uh, if you like, no pun intended, I think is just like, just fun. It, it's, it's an amazing feeling being out on a track. Um, you've got all your safety gear on, you're on a grid, uh, the lights are going off and the adrenaline, it, it's, it's a cliche, but it, it, it is a drug. And I don't care what anyone says, it, it's addictive and whether you're, whether you're go-karting or whether you're racing cars at any level and people, there is, there's so much motorsport now in the UK, Mo, people can get involved for, you know, 30 quid at the local kart track all the way through to the guys in, you know, top level racing, spending hundreds of thousands, if not, you know, up, up to millions. So, um, there's yeah. there's options for everyone and and anyone should just have a go start with go-karting and um that's still the purest best way cheapest as well um but then just just progress and you'll meet people along the way and um yeah just see where where it takes you but have that's a go amazing. And, and um when you were like so growing up as a kid, were you were you exposed around cars much when you were when you were growing up? Yeah, so it's all, all really my dad. Um, my dad's an engineer, and he um, we've always had one or two cars in the garage that he's been, you know, always working on. He's a bit bit eccentric, his dad, bless him, and uh, he's into his, his vintage and classic cars. So he's currently got a nineteen twenty nine. Alvis Silver Eagle, which is a, wow. a a beautiful old car, um, and he's also got a, a, a Daimler 250 Dart, which is um, in his, in his eyes a you know a modern. Um, but yeah, lo- lovely cars. But we've, we've just always always been around cars and had a had a, a love for them. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And 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 to what degree? Um, did they, I guess, support your kind of your your uh, your early kind of racing um, passion, if you like? They didn't. So um, I remember being desperate. You know, I was desperate to race. I was doing really well at my. I say they didn't support me. There, that's a bit bit unfair. But um, I wanted to be a sort of, you know, do it professionally, properly as a as a racing driver and. Did really well at the local tracks and won pretty much every time I was racing, I, I was winning. So I was sort of thinking, gosh, I, I need to get, you know, get into this. And I remember being when computers were first coming out and you, you know, a, a spotty teenager and I was writing these hand, you know, hand typed 
um, letters out and printing them off and sending them off to companies and trying to get some sponsorship, but to, to no avail. And mum and dad just wanted me to stick with school, uh, go to college and just, yeah, they were, you know, so, some parents nowadays and I see why they really, really back there. You know, they, they, again, cliche, but the, the dad kind of, lives their life through his son. Um and that that's yeah. probably the story for eighty percent of the you know, the karting dads and carters in the in the country. Yeah, but I guess it also works both ways, right? In the sense that I mean I, I see a lot of this in, in the Asian community where, you know, uh mums and dads they they I suppose that they've come from a different country and they've come from a place where you had to really work to, to get to, to get anywhere in life. And they've, they've found themselves in the UK. They've experienced a whole range of hardships. And for them, they're trying to, I suppose, shield their kids from that hardship through, but by making sure that, that they're making the most of the opportunities that are given to them in the form of education, because education is safety. And I suppose it's, it's kind of a way of keeping them safe, but I suppose for me, like where I get a little bit uneasy is when that kind of, that kind of safety net prevents people from pursuing their true, their true passion, their true interests. Right. And it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of, kind of balance that thing between keeping your kids safe within the confines of what you, what you think is safe. And you're also trying to, I suppose, Make them be the pe- the the people they weren't able to be, right? Because of life and reality and everything else, right? But in the process, to what degree are, are you stopping them from actually pursuing what they really want to pursue? You know, I mean, as as a parent, and you will soon be a parent, uh, yeah, which is really exciting. Um, you you want the best, don't you, for your for your offspring? But nowadays, I I think there are um, there are just so many opportunities now, whether you, you, uh, you need a good grounding of, uh, how to deal with people, uh, what's right, what's wrong. Um, and, and obviously a good solid upbringing is, you know, is, is crucial just for, for people. But when it comes to work and following a passion, I think there are so many routes that people can sort of get to where they want to be nowadays. Um, so many different revenue streams ra- rather than just the traditional nine to five and slogging your guts out, finishing work at one minute past five and going home. It's, it, and with COVID now, you know, the, the, the way we're thinking and working is it's crackers. It's just changed. So yeah, I think it's difficult. Because you do want, it is you know, it is difficult. You need and an I, education. I yeah, and I mean, I I speak as someone who hasn't even got a kid yet. You know, we we have a kid in the way, and it's like it's all well and good me speaking about this stuff, but you know, what's going to happen when that kid is physically in my hands? And I'm thinking, you are going to get a degree. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. It's 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 really tough. Um, but on, on the point of careers, and I, I love, I love speaking to entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs who have managed to build something that is, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a, a pharmacy or it's not a, it's not a, a law practice. You know, th- this is about building a, a business in, 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 in motorsport, right? Which I find really interesting. Um, but, Tell us a little bit about your early days of entrepreneurship and, and what kind of inspired you to kind of go in that kind of space because it is, it is a very, very risky thing to be doing, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly in the, um, in that when you, when you run maybe a race team or you're in that space where you, your customers really, um, are only signing up to you for maybe six or seven months of the year. And then at any point they could, they could leave. Um, they could have an issue. They could have a crash. Their, their, their business might have a failure. Um, 
until you're at the really top levels, and even at then where the contracts are in place, still very risky. Um, you put you you lay out all the cash for all the equipment, all the staff, um, all the cars, whatever it is, and then yeah, it's um, it, it's it is risky, but then it's rewarding as well. You know, um, yeah, you, you find find good customers, good customers find you, um, and you work really hard to to retain them. Um, I think the the early years for me were. No, it was always something that I wanted to get into. Um, I was I was sort of running a a go kart venue or venues at the time, and we I was at the sort of centre of building that up to be a really you know, one of the busiest uh, circuits in the country. But all along the way, I was making contacts, and those contacts now uh, I still see uh, maybe customers. Or I've done a bit of business with them in some way, shape, or form. So I think for people who are listening, you know, you've got to be just mindful at all all points that the um, uh, yeah, at any given point, what what goes around comes around, and you know, don't burn bridges, etc. Um, so yeah, it's... and um, what what was it that kind of? I mean. Um... What was that inspired you initially to to um you know because I, I suppose at, at at some point in your life you might have had a choice to go down the typical nine to five get a job and do what everyone else does as opposed to doing something which is your own and 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 going to that space what was it that shaped that kind of decision if you like so i when i um I did go to university. I went. Um, I did sales and marketing at, in in Newcastle, and I was lucky that I'd had already had a a, a job with a friend who owned some go kart venues. So I'd then also uh, through my racing met some other circuit operators, and I was just very fortunate that when when I graduated, I had two really good job offers on um, you know on a in front of me to choose from. One was in Newcastle and one was down in Leeds and, um, yeah, family. I had a girlfriend down in Leeds at the time. So I, uh, and it was a friend who was, uh, I was working with and for. So I went with the, the Leeds option and, uh, we, I was there 10 years. Um, like I say, we built up the business massively. Um, very successfully. And from that, we also started some other businesses. So we were, we were then always, you know, I've always kind of had two or three, um, things or plates spinning. Um, everything from supplying other go-kart tracks to setting up, uh, one of the first dealerships for Segways, if you remember those, the, the two. Oh my God. Yeah. Two, two, yeah. two wheeled, uh, gyroscope things. Um, and, yeah, some online sales websites and, um, yeah, just o- always then had, had things going on. Uh, that, that go-kart track got, well, the business got sold and I got some money out. And at that point I'd, I'd already been racing and already set up or thought about the brand want to race. Um, which we can, we'll talk about that a bit more in detail, but, um, yeah, that, that then was the opportunity to go, well, yeah, let's buy, buy some vehicles, buy some cars, uh, get some premises, get some people. And we, we set up a proper, a proper business at that point. Um, and that was, yeah, maybe seven, seven years ago, something like that. What what in 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 your view as as someone who's who's been there done that and and built something from your experience what would you say um, are the main things that I suppose um, stop people from considering entrepreneurship launching their own business what would you say are the main kind of things that stop people from actually pursuing that uh, it's hard work Mo it's it's um... It takes over your life. 
it, it's ma- massive sacrifice. I've made some huge sacrifices in my personal life with work, and um, yeah, it's. I think it's just in you, to be honest. Um, I think it's just in you that you're uh, you, you have that kind of drive, um, and yeah, it's. It, it's exciting, but it, it's risky and it's it's hard work. Um, but anyone with a a good idea nowadays, I'd I'd, I'd always say explore it. Um, there are lots of ways to generate uh, interest through marketing platforms now. Obviously, social media, but um, that that's not easy. But it's certainly easier to go to market with an idea. Um, and, and people, you know, hook up with good, hooking up with good people and, um, being honest and being, uh, being, being, uh, as open as you can and professional as you can, um, and as nice as you can gets, gets you a long way. I suppose, yeah, I mean, you, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, that the barriers to market are so much less now, you know, you can, you can launch your business without any money really you know it doesn't take a lot to make a little website online you can do for free in many cases you've got social media you can build your following on there um just just reflecting on your on your early your early days of launching your business um uh what would you say were some of the kind of biggest challenges when you were like first starting up um when we first started up um Money, I'd say, because the the the, uh, the the motorsport space is quite expensive to um, you know a- anything to sort of related to buy to rent to to do in motorsport is is pretty expensive. So I was trying to uh, I was trying the, the initial idea with want to race. I was trying to give people. Um, uh, an affordable experience in a race car which they couldn't get at that point anywhere else and then I'd sort of hook them in with a with a prize so if if you wanted to race you'd come to me give me a few hundred quid to have a go in a car and then we would then ultimately do a a sort of knockout phase of a competition and then we'd give away a a, in the early years it was a a fully funded uh, race weekend and then in its latter, you know, latter years, three or four years, uh, with the support through Janetta, and again, we, we linked up a lot more with Janetta, but um, that was to give away a fully funded season. Wow. So it was a, hu- a huge thing. Um, and that's where, that's where the Want to Race concept came from. It, initially, it was, it, I wanted to race, and that's where the brand came from um and the idea was that it was it would part fund my racing and it did you know for a number of years until there was a tipping point where my racing stopped and i had to commit to the business um i couldn't race my own customers uh, i didn't have time uh, and i didn't have the money because i i was putting it all into uh i didn't pay myself for two years you know i i put everything in and um my wife, uh, she had a good job, and you know we we were just doing what what we could to get the business going. I was I was doing some consulting on the side, uh, and then I had another sort of sales website, which you know they they were bringing all my my income in, and while I was building up the the racing business, um, and and then it started to do well. So what? What kept you going, Ben? And this, this is the thing that I always, I, I, I find it really fascinating. In the early days of any business, chances are you aren't going to make much money. It's going to be, you, you're going to be living on a pretty tight budget. And I suppose in those moments, you kind of think, you know what? I mean, did, did it ever come to your mind in those early days? You know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm just going to stop now. What is it that kind of kept you, kept you going? Not in the early days, no. I just wouldn't wouldn't stop for anything. Um, I was convinced that, you know, we did a really good job 
the brand was good. Uh, I loved what I was doing. Um, no, I, I just, failure wasn't literally an option. Um, yeah, I just kept, kept going and going. Um, and yeah, like I said earlier, it t- takes over your, your, your being, you know, your whole, your whole, uh, you just, you are always thinking about how to do, you know, what to do next and what needs doing. And, um, yeah, and that, you, you can't explain that, but it, it's, uh, anyone who's sort of done, done a startup or uh, has multiple sort of businesses and, um, that they, they know the feeling of waking up at four in the morning and, um, your brains, your brains on. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, fa- failure I mean, or stopping wasn't wasn't an option. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so interesting, and 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 you mentioned there, and I find it's quite amazing actually that it was it was kind of, if I'm not mistaken, your your brand, the business was was very much driven out of your own personal experiences, right? In the sense of your desire to want to make racing affordable for the for the every for the for the the average person. Um, tell us a little bit about that and, and, and how that kind of shaped the actual business. It shaped the business massively. Um, and it shaped me massively. I think the, uh, the whole, like I say, the whole concept was just to have an, an, an affordable and accessible platform for people who were just like me back then when I, I, there was no chance I could go and spend 50k a year or whatever on, um, ongoing going racing for fun um but there were lots i I sort of recognized there were lots and lots of people who could probably afford 500 to 800 quid um over a few days to come and have a go and really have a whether you won or whether you weren't great or whether it was your first time or whether you were back for a fourth year um everyone had a an absolutely brilliant day um the whole you know that everyone was buzzing buzz was you know running the events to the customers all the all the staff um it it, it was amazing and um and that concept like i say sort of re- re- retained in the market and uh, grew and we we really sort of we kept shaping it and um we had in, we had investment and we had uh you know, various buy-ins, buy-outs and things going on as well with the business. But that, that core ethos kind of until the last couple of years really, um, really continued. And that was my passion. And, um, it's only more recently that, you know, things have gone, gone again. And, um, that sort of, that, that startup, how, how, how that started, it's, it's slightly changed. The brand's moved on a bit. It's it's really interesting because um, I speak I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs. I speak to a lot of people who are building their own brands. And I I, I met a guy a couple of weeks ago, and he um, he's basically a YouTuber, and he's just he's he's massively massively big on YouTube, and he makes these little videos about cars. And he was saying to me, he goes, you know, if you just love cars, if you just love cars, and you just want to experience them, then go and experience them. Right. You know, go and, um, go and race them around a track or get a job that earns you a bunch of money and then go and buy that car. But if you want to do what he does, which is YouTubing and, and Facebook and being out there and, you know, um, it takes something else. Right. And he was like, you know, um, uh, if it's about being of service, actually helping people or if it's about a wider thing that's beyond, beyond cars, then yeah, look at YouTube or look whatever. And I think what what's amazing is every single person that I speak to, it's never about the money. It's 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 never the money which actually drives them. It's about a deeper a deeper meaning. And and for you, I guess it was ultimately about making racing accessible to the average person, right? Which I find really really interesting. Yeah, it it was. Yeah, it definitely wasn't about the money because, like I say, I wasn't. Um... You know, there, there wasn't the spare, any, anything spare sort of went in, um, went back into the, to the business really as we, we had to buy more equipment. We bought more cars, trucks. Um, I met my first business partner through, 
through racing. He's now one of my best friends as well. And, um, yeah, I was re- really, really fortunate, you know, to, it's right place, right time, isn't it? And you get lucky and, um, yeah, we, we met at a, at a racetrack, um, cold, wet Rockingham. It was a miserable place, but a great, great fun track to race on. Um, and he was in the garage next to us struggling with his, struggling to get his car off, his new car off his trailer. So we gave him a hand and, um, yeah, the rest is history. That was maybe five, five years ago or so now. Um, so I got him, Mike then rang me up, said, after a few months said, Hey, um, you know, I, I like you. We get on. I, I either want to be a customer of yours or what would you think about me coming in on, on the business? And, uh, that was like a bit of a, not quite a dragon's den moment, but it was like, uh, yeah, this is good. This is, I like the, I like Mike. Um, I want to take the business to the next step and without, I've never been to a bank for a loan or anything like that in my life. Um, you know, it's always just been, been building up. So, um, yeah, Mike got on board and, um, that, that was the next sort of phase of the, uh, of the journey. Is that, is that a common mistake in terms of, um, reinvesting? Like, as in people often take money out way too prematurely, right? And, and that can often, that can often stagnate or reduce the growth of the business, right? I mean, when you're starting up, the temptation often is to take money out as soon as you get it and 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 use it for your own personal gain. And I mean, I've, I've heard of people, you know, who have failed because they took money out in the early days and bought a stupid car, right? Rather than reinvesting it in the business and, you know, um, things, 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 things soon go to pot. Yeah, I, I, I guess people do. Um it is, it could be quite easy to, to do that, I'd say, but, you know, you've got to, you've got to look at it sort of pragmatically. How, if you take the money out, it, is there enough still coming back in? Uh, what does the next six months look like? And for us, we always had to keep, and for a lot of motorsport teams and businesses, you, you have to keep, always keep some money in the uh, account for the reasons that I, I said earlier, you know, you get, you get, you literally, you get to the end of the season in October, say, and you, your customers might just not, you know, either not come back or winter sets in and you, your customer, you only, you only earn when the cars are on track or being worked on to prepare them for track and then at the track. So, uh, over the winter, you, you might not earn, you know, you, you might not earn anything. You might not see anything coming in from November to, uh, Feb- end of February when the snow's melted. Um, and then you have to adjust how you, you know, your cash flow. And we, we then, because of that, we then, I said, well, we need to go away in the winter. You know, we, we then quite, well, the first year that we, we were set up, we hooked up with a, a really good guy in uh, Spain and we, we created a Spanish trip every year. Uh, so early February, that would be a, a, a good earner for us. So we'd, we'd all get winter out of the way, you know, family, catch up seeing family, go skiing and have a bit of fun. And then we'd, we'd go to Spain and take, take a load of customers over there. And that, that would, uh, sort of tide us over a little bit in the winter months. What, um, I mean, what, what practical tips would you have for anyone, um, that has just started a business, um, or are thinking about starting a business? Um, you know, having, having been there and done that, Ben, what would be your sort of top three or top five things that you would suggest to them? Um, you've got to focus on, on, uh, the customer and the sales. Uh, it sounds obvious, but you can get so bogged down in uh, other things when setting up and running a business. But actually, you know, if you don't keep the keep that that money coming in, or keep the customers coming in, and or just keep the customers happy, then 
Um, there, there is no business essentially. So, um, I think don't try and do, don't try and do everything yourself. Um, you do to start with, you always do. Um, but you, you've really got to quite quickly trust people around you to do, uh, you know, as good, as good a job as they can. And, uh, that is not always as good as you think it should be or that you could do or you even want it. But you've got to trust that that's what they're, you know, people around you are doing their very best and contributing, you know. Um, and yeah, like I said earlier, I, th- I think if, if you're just honest and hardworking, it, it gets you a long way. It always has done and it always will do. I have to ask this because it's, it's something that I'm sure at some point I will have to come to, which is employing your own staff, right? And, um, Tell us about your experiences of hiring staff and how hard it was to hire staff and I suppose trust them almost release some of the things that you probably were doing to them and, and what advice you would have to, to recruit well, basically. People, I think staffing wise, employee wise, um, it's probably, probably the biggest challenge of, of any business. Um, the bigger you get, you have more people to, um, manage, entrust, communicate with, keep on top of. Um, and recruitment wise, um, really depends on, on the sec, on the sector. Um, we have in the, in the early days, we were, um, I'd say it was, not easier, but we were, we had, we had contacts, more contacts with really good young people who were getting into it. And, um, uh, yeah, it was just good, good fun with good, good people. Um, and then more recently, it's been, it's been more of a challenge, I think, because the, uh, the scale of the business has been bigger. So we've needed more people. Um, but there's been a, Post COVID, um, the whole industry has been stretched and that's through demand, through supply chain, um, just through people being coming back with maybe different attitudes towards, towards themselves and, and work. Um, so it's been a lot more challenging in the last two years, uh, across the board with people and that, that, that will be, whether you're in motorsport or running a pub or, or, or make, you know, making bread rolls, it will be, um, it will be the, I'm sure it will be the same for everyone currently. Where do you see the, um, the industry going forward from your perspective? Uh, there's, I, I would be, I am sort of concerned that although we have, um, one of, well, I think the most buoyant, biggest motorsport industries and markets on the planet. Um, we as a, as a, as a pretty big group of, uh, companies and manufacturer with Janetta want to race as a, as a, a, a race company and track day organizer. Um, yeah, we've, we've struggled to get good people. And, and that's again, not just our, a challenge of ours, but, I think there's a, seems to be a, a bit of a, a skills gap. Um, maybe more people wanting to do the, uh, front end of the, the job, the instruction, the, the driving, the, the marketing, that side. And, um, I just don't feel that the, the younger engineers, mechanics, um, you know, that they're, they're, they're just, they just don't seem to be there currently or, or enough of them. Yeah. I mean, and you know what? It's just, it's just got me thinking about, you know, people think of, of motorsport as just the racing. But I mean, I went to a, uh, I went to a, a, an event a couple of weeks ago and what amazed me was just the amount of stuff there was just beyond the actual driving. 
I mean, I met a guy who was responsible for the car that he was, he was the mechanic. He was the guy that was responsible for making sure that this car can physically go as fast as it possibly can and give the reassurance to the race car driver that he is going to be okay. He can, he can push it as far as, as, as far as he can. So th- there's that aspect. And then there was, there was a guy who was employed to look at the data and look at the statistics and tell the race car driver, you know, in this turn, you were like 0.2 of a second, not as quick as compared to your, to your, to your partner. And they had these two, two screens and they were both comparing each other. And I was like, Oh my God, like you can, you can be involved in motorsports in, in, in so many different ways than just beyond the racing. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there are a whole host of roles within the industry from the hospitality, event organization, coordination, marketing, PR. Um, yeah, you know, the, I'd say the hospitality, the food, the drink, keeping uh, customers well, well looked after. And then, yeah, the, around the car and the driver, which are them, what everyone's there for, you've got, um, the, the upper levels of motorsport, you don't just have the data and the driver coaches, but, you know, people looking after the driver's um, mental well-being, uh, fitness, um, physios, masseuse. Um, and then on the mechanical side, you've got mechanics and engineers. Um, and depending on the level of racing, I'd say when we were starting out, um, at sort of the entry level racing, you, you definitely have one person, i.e. mechanic on one car and then somebody overseeing them. As you move up and the cars get bigger, more complex, you, you, you're then into up to maybe six or eight people uh, running that car and you have what's called number ones who are the, you know, really experienced top top guys to number twos and then um you know you you sort of trainee um engineers and mechanics running the car so there are and people then looking after the uh the tires um doesn't sound a glamorous job it's not but yeah but they're arguably the most important component and keeping them organized cleaned in good condition um uh, absolutely crucial and then an, uh, another huge part is logistics moving the, the circus around it's yeah it's, it's, like, it's, it's just, just it's just, just lots of people it's, it's, it's I mean I, I never fully appreciated it until I actually went there and I was at Brands Hatch for the day and it was just I just you know it was just a real eye opener um, I guess I guess finally Ben um, say there was a young kid um, who, you know, knew who you were and, and wanted to, I suppose they wanted to get somewhat involved. They, they love motorsports. Um, perhaps not doing so well at school, but they love motorsport. They don't know really what aspect to go in, uh, because there's just so many different options. They want to get in there. Um, what would be your practical tips to them, um, who want to try and get in that, in that space? Uh, get to the events. So go, um, go to the events and just, just look with your eyes and see what, what everyone's doing. See what each team, um, you know, everything from car livery, how the cars look, how the team's presented, what the people are like. Um, you, uh, if you're on a busy weekend, you know, you need to be careful not to get in the way because people are so busy, but also try, try and just speak to people if you can. Um, we've had uh, a number of guys who sort of, when they've set out, have come and offered to, to help. And that's always as a, as any business, um, as long as they can legally and, um, uh, yeah, there, there are no complications with, taking on work experience or people willing to just offer services, then do that. Um, and then, yeah, it's look, it's looking at which aspect you really, your personality or skill set suit. 
And then you do need some some training in that aspect. So whether you're going to be an apprentice at a um, in a race mechanic workshop, and then there you will start literally from keeping bays clean, things organised, um, skivvying around. But then you know you it doesn't take long in that environment for people to you you spot who's really switched on early, and then. Uh, like all businesses, people are keen to train, uh, motivate and bring, bring people on. Um, and that, I think that's why a lot of the people in our industry are, have been around it for so long. It, it's, it's, uh, sounds a bit cheesy, but it is a bit of a, a family. You know, it's quite, everybody does, does know everyone. Um, whether you like them or not, it's another, another matter. You can't get on with everyone, but. Uh, it's, it's very competitive, but no, it is it is pretty friendly, and um, yeah, everybody does know each other, so there are always, you know, different contacts and people to go and see. But just give it a go. I think, um, yeah, if if you're struggling at school or college, there are always other other options uh, to really really succeed at, at what your passion is, um, and just. Take some time to think about how you, you know, the people that you really aspire to, to work with and for and how you might be able to, uh, to get in there. It's, it's such a good point. Um, in, in terms of the networking, I mean, I didn't quite appreciate this until a couple of weeks ago, just how small the world is. And if you're, if you get into that space and you're very good at what you do, people will take notice and suddenly you've got a little network of people. I mean, I met, I met someone a couple of months ago and he was like, my, my net worth is my network. And when you build that network, ultimately things start working in the right direction. Uh, but you've got to, you've got to get in there and be willing to kind of swallow that. You know, you, you might be scared. You might be, you might be nervous, but you know, you've really got to just kind of give it a go and ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I guess in, in many ways. Um, yeah. it's just, it's just amazing. Um, Ben, honestly, um, I, I can't thank you enough for your, for your valuable time, uh, this, this Saturday morning. Really do appreciate it. And I really hope, um, young people and anyone who's listening, um, can, can actually believe that, you know what, there is a, you know, just listening to you and, and how you've managed to get to where you are and, and build a business, um, in, in a, in a space that is, I suppose, quite competitive and, and, and can be quite tough, how you managed to do it. And if you can do it, then, you know, um, young people can can definitely definitely do it and um hopefully if there's one person that can listen to this and know that you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go to that race event next week and i'm gonna i'm gonna speak to five people you know um then then wouldn't that be fantastic so um thank you so much and uh hopefully hopefully we'll stay in touch yeah we will yeah thanks man all the best